0: Welcome to the GDPR Stand-Up Podcast, the only podcast dedicated to helping you succeed with GDPR compliance. Your host is Rocio Baeza. Let's get started. Hey there and welcome. I'm Rocio Baeza and I'd like to welcome you to today's episode where we are going to be talking about the similarities between how we file our taxes here in the U.S and how that relates to GDPR. A quick note before we get started. So this is actually a re-recording of episode number 11, the previous episode. So in episode 11, I did talk about this topic. However, I when I was recording, I was actually sick and I needed to make the decision between skipping an episode or not and I felt like it was important that I continue with the schedule. So I ended up continuing with the recording. I did not like the way that it turned out. So this is a redo of that. So if you listen to that, sorry if that was painful to hear. And if you did not listen to that, then uh, no need to worry about things. All right, so in today's topic, we're gonna be breaking this down into three areas. We're going to be, so again, similarities between how we file our taxes in the U.S. and GDPR. And the three areas that we're going to be focusing on are impact, approaches, and documentation. I think that there's value in having this analogy because most of our listeners have filed their taxes at least a few dozen times. And I think by discussing the similarities, I hope to use that as a way to anchor your knowledge to help you better understand GDPR. All right, so just going one layer deep, when I'm talking about impact, I'm referring to um, how many people are impacted by things. When we think about filing our taxes in the U.S., so this impacts a wide number of people. If you are bringing in income, whether it be you are working for someone else or you are working for yourself, this is something where you're very likely having to file this on an annual basis. When it comes to approaches, I think that The two levels that we can look at this are you you can one, do it yourself, or you can pay someone else to do your taxes. And this is entirely a personal choice. If you decide to go down the do-it-yourself route, it's definitely doable. Uh, You just have to know that it will take time. If you decide to pay someone else, so this may be a luxury, so you may not want to spend the time to gather the necessary information to plug it in and to figure out whether or not you are uh, owed a refund or if you need to pay additional money for your fair share of taxes or your situation might be complex. It might be complex and it may make sense to hire this out to a professional just to make sure that you are um, accounting for things correctly. And when it comes to the tools available, there's a wide variety. So you can go the old fashioned route and just file this using paper and pen. Uh, So this would be the, the 1040 form, right? But you can also um, use things like software, apps. Uh, Think of like H&R Block. You can use virtual services. Think of virtual bookkeeper or CPA or a professional services team. Uh, There are thousands of these where you basically um, work alongside someone else or a team of other people and they will do this for you. All right. When it comes to documentation, it's very important that we document and hold on to that documentation because that's the only way that we're able to prove things. So if if we are ever flagged as needing to be audited by the IRS, that's exactly what they're going to go after first. They're going to be asking for a copy of your documentation because that is what uh, what the findings of the audit will be based on. So they will bring up whatever forms you submitted to the IRS and they will ask you to provide that supporting doc- documentation, whether it be receipts, whether it be paperwork. At the end of the episode, I want to help you see what your options are when it comes to implementing GDPR. All of these options, I would say, are perfectly fine. They are all legitimate. And the option or the route that you decide to take, it really comes down to your preference, your budget, and any timing or deadlines that you're needing to meet. What I want you to see is that it probably makes sense for you to continue to learn and do and use the resources that you have right now to get as far along in the process as you possibly can until you're you're done or until you realize that, hey, you need additional help and you need additional resources to reach the finish line. All right, now let's uh, switch gears here and talk about things in terms of GDPR. So GDPR is no different. Again, we're gonna be talking about this in in terms of impact approaches and documentation. When it comes to impact, it actually impacts a wide range of organizations. GDPR will impact organizations regardless of where they're located, what industry they service or the size of the organization it also doesn't matter if it's a prof- if it's a for-profit organization or if it's a non-for-profit organization and it also doesn't matter if the organization is actually selling things or not what matters is if the organization holds personal data belonging to someone that is from or is living in the EU, the European Union, GDPR will apply to that organization. Given the global reach, given the uh, the opportunities that we just have to ser- service people and other organizations at a global scale, I think that GDPR impacts a very wide range of organizations. And it'll take time for for organizations and leaders of the organizations to realize that and understand that and accept that. When it comes to approaches, the same way that we have different options in filing for our taxes, we have different approaches for how we tackle GDPR. So we can uh, go the do-it-yourself route. And this is when either you or a member of your team is tasked with this initiative. You can also outsource this. So your organization can hire this out, whether it be to a consultant, whether it be to a firm. And when it comes to the tools available, uh, we have similar options we can go the paper route so uh, where we are documenting things on a piece of paper and we are managing things manually but I'm gonna guess that this is this is a route that probably this doesn't apply to most organizations this is I feel like the, this was probably going backwards but I think um, the next step up would be managing a GDPR compliance program where you're leveraging things like word processing tools, where it's a step above using paper, uh, but it's an electronic format that will make it much easier for you to manage. We also have software. So there are online services and software Um, think H&R Block and any of the competitors of H&R Block, where you are basically plugging along information. You are being prompted for additional information based on your responses. And then at the end of the day, it spits out the completed forms and you have the option of submitting this directly to the IRS. Uh, The same way we have software available that is looking to either help you with the entire, um, with your entire GDPR compliance program, or just a portion. Uh, some examples of what I mean by just a, a portion is so I've come across many solutions that that focus around helping you fulfill any type of requests uh, of people that are wanting to exercise their individual rights. I've also seen solutions where. Uh, service providers are have so- software to help you uh, manage consent. Um, so, so, so we, we definitely have software available to help you with G- with your GDPR responsibilities. And I continue to, I I would expect to continue to see more and more software solutions out there um, in the next I would say one to five years. And when it and just tying a bow around the tools that are available, we also have the ability to outsource this to professional services. So, uh, I would say that there are hundreds of organizations and individuals that provide this as a service. And this can be either virtual or in, in, in person. And, and we see ranges where where people are providing this as a service and, and it's a basic approach or um, there is a higher end approach um, to helping organizations with this initiative. All right, and the last dimension here that we're going to cover is documentation. So when we're filing our taxes, it is super important that we hold on to that documentation. It's no different when it comes to GDPR. This is very important important. Uh, in the GDPR, there is the accountability prin- principle. So it's this idea, this requirement that organizations need to be able to show that they are complying with GDPR. And the only way that you can truly show that is by writing it down and having that documentation available to show that what you went through the exercise of knowing what applies to you and you are managing, uh, you are Producing records that uh, substantiate that. If you want to go into the details here, I would point you to Article 30 in GDPR, where it talks about uh, records of processing activities. This is just another way of saying. So another way of saying this is, it's basically documentation on how an organization uses personal data. And the way that you address this accountability principle the way that you are able to demonstrate that you are doing that you know what you need to be doing and that you are doing what you say you are doing is is by ri- writing it down that's the only way that you're able to demonstrate compliance so when you're writing it down you're needing to write down okay what do you need to do As an organization, given the data that you hold, given how that data is received, given the business use of the data, uh, you need to be able to show that you have thought about and analyze which of the GDPR responsibilities actually apply to you. If there's one thing that you take away from this episode, let it be this. Some organizations will have to do everything that GDPR requires, but many organizations will only have to fulfill a subset of the requirements. And the only way that you know exactly what uh, end of the spectrum you fall in, you need to uh, create a GDPR data inventory. Now, once you have an idea of what your organization needs to do, you need to implement that. You need to actually take action and implement that. And after you are done implementing that, um, you need to be able to hold on to records, hold on to documentation that shows you are doing what you need to be doing. In the event of an audit, so the outcome of that uh, audit will truly depend on the results that um, or the, the results of the audit will be based on documentation. And typically, this is how, how you should expect that to uh, un- unfold. So in my career, I've been on both ends of this type of work. I've been on the receiving end where I'm working with a, an auditor that is doing some, some type of security audit, And I've also been on the end where I am the security auditor and I am working with other organizations to help determine uh, where they're at. And the process usually goes something like this. They will ask for, the auditor will ask for a copy of your policy and procedures. Taking a step back here, um, this, this, this doesn't just apply to auditors, this also applies to any type of regulators that might be conducting an investigation. So when they're getting to get when they're ready to get started, they will start by asking you for a copy of documentation. So they're, they're gonna come in and ask, all right, we need you to provide us with a copy of your policy and procedures. They'll probably ask for a copy of your privacy policy, and then uh, they will want to see what kind of policy and procedures are around your GDPR program. What kind of internal policies do you have documented and are in place? What kind of training materials have you used and are being deployed? And what are the procedures that your employees are being asked to follow so, so, so that as an organization, you can fulfill those GDPR uh, obligations? And after the auditor or the regulator has completed um, obtaining all that documentation, they will be asking for evidence. So what does that mean? So say they're wanting evidence that you actually have trained your employees. They'll typically ask for some type of report that shows who has completed that reporting over the last year. They may ask for a copy of what that training material is, and then they'll, they'll probably ask for a roster that indicates who was trained and when they'll probably also ask for that GDPR data inventory. So again, this is like that first step. This is that first step that documents, all right, what data does your company hold? How is that obtained? And how is it used internally? This is the tool that will inform what your GDPR responsibilities are. So I would expect any auditor, any regulator that is looking at your GDPR compliance program uh, to ask for a copy of of that, or at a minimum to ask um, if you have that, right? When it comes to the policy, they'll probably ask for your policy around SARS. So SARS are subject access requests, uh, they may also ask for documentation around consent. Now, consent, this is something that will will not apply to all organizations. But if, if it applies to your organization, you will probably be asked questions around consent. When it comes to third parties, if your organization is sharing personal data with another party, whether it be that you are handing this off directly to them, or maybe you're using an environment that is managed by a third party, um, they will probably ask for a list of what your third parties are for you to flag which one of these are processing personal information. They'll probably pick a sample and they'll ask for a contract of those vendors. Um Taking a step back with SARS, um, if they're looking at your how you handle SARS subject access requests, they may ask for a list of all the requests that your organization has ever received. They will probably pick a sample and they'll probably ask for documentation of the sample that they selected. So what was the request? Uh, How did you process that internally? And how did you respond to that request? And if they're looking at your breach notification plan and preparation, they'll probably ask for a copy of that plan and any inventory or the inventory where you're keeping track of all the reported or all of the suspected security incidents uh, where you had to review that and analyze that to determine if you had to report this. All right, so to wrap it up, guys, so there are lots of similarities when it comes to how we file our taxes here in the US and the way that we should think about GDPR. In terms of impact, uh, the same way that many individuals and businesses are impacted and need to file for their taxes, I would say the vast majority of organizations will have to do something uh, when it comes to GDPR. When it comes to approaches, we have the option to do it ourselves or to pay someone else or may, maybe do something in between. All organizations have this option. I would say that professionals are very much capable of taking the DIY route. And I would say that this situation makes sense if your situation is simple or if you are willing to take this on or if another member of your team is, able, is, is wanting to take on this project. If, if your situation is one where you're looking for faster results or your situation is complex, then it probably makes sense to you to take this as far as you possibly can. But then look to outsource it so that you can get to the finish line. And when it comes to doc- documentation, um, documentation is super important. This is the only way that you're able to prove things. Uh, and this is the only way that you are able to demonstrate that requirement where organizations must show that they are complying with the GDPR. All right. So then that basically wraps it up for today's episode. Before we close out, I want to point you to a couple of resources that I want to point you Two, if you are looking for additional help around GDPR. So we have a number of free resources. So you can continue to listen to this podcast. Uh, this podcast is dedicated to helping you succeed with GDPR compliance. And it is a free resource that is available to anyone with an internet connection. Um, the next free uh, resource is uh, our our dot document which is the 10 GDPR components. If you are still struggling with understanding the breadth of GDPR, this is a great breakdown, a a resource that I created for myself as I was learning to uh, learn more about GDPR. And, uh, the last resource is, um, you can also sign up for, uh, the GDPR implementation blueprint. So this is a re- a free re- resource that is available to you. If you are looking for that roadmap on how an organization can, can approach this from start to fit to finish and what are those steps that are in, in, in between and the ideal order that you should execute these steps. Now, if these free resources are great, but you're wanting more, uh, there are additional ways that I, I am able to support you. You can join our virtual community. So think of this as a virtual platform where you can, uh, where you have direction and opportunities to ask me questions about your si- si- situation. I've been in your shoes where I've done thing projects like this on my own, and it's, it's it's hard, it, and it's especially hard if this is the first time that you're undertaking something like this. I would encourage you to leverage my knowledge, leverage my previous mistakes and my understand understanding, uh, to help you get there faster. And if you're looking to outsource, this, I, I'm definitely available as a, a consultant. So if you're looking to hire this out so that someone else can help help you, uh, I am certainly uh, available. All right, so uh, all of these resources are available online and you can check that out at our our website at gdprstandup.com. All right, guys, that very much wraps it up for our session today. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to the GDPR Stand-Up Podcast. If you need additional help, please check us out at gdprstandup.com. Until next time.